Today's reading is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 10, verses 1 to 42. And if you needed a copy of the Bible, one they're being handed out, just raise your hands. Yes. Just raise your hands if you need a copy of the Bible. There's this one lady over the back. Thank you. So it's uh, chapter, uh, book of Matthew, chapter 10, verses 1 to 42. Uh, in the book, the church Bible is page 790, 790. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 disciples. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles and enter any towns of the Samaritans, Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirts or sandals or or staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you, or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it would be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as true as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard you will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogue. On my accounts, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when, you are, when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. 
the student is not above the teacher, nor servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebel, how much more the members of his household? So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ears, proclaims from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both the soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet, not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care, and even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So, do not be afraid. You are worth more than many spirals. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against his, her, her mother. A daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, a man's enemies in, will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take their cross, take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Anyone who welcomes me welcomes me. Anyone who welcomes you will welcome me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water. To one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. This is the word of the Lord. Great, thank you, James, for reading, Karma for praying. Let's look, keep that passage open. It's quite a long chapter, but uh, we're going to look at it. Let me just move this as usual. And let's pray together as we start. Uh, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you you for what you've just spoken to us, as James read. Uh, And pray that as I try to explain this passage, you would keep speaking to us. Uh, You would speak to our hearts, show us Jesus, uh, show us what he wants us to do. And help us to see his glory, uh, that we want to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Great. Well, I guess many of us here are working, and one of the nicest things if your work is if your boss tells you what he wants you to do, or she. Uh, Basically, what's your job description? I remember I worked for London Underground, 
and uh, I had to uh, calculate a few run times for the certain, some trains on the northern line, how fast they would go, how long it would take them from one station to another. Uh, they gave me the data, and the data, actually, oh, these are parabolic equations, and I was really excited, and so I uh, thought I can make a real mathematical model and calculate it exactly. Um, what did I do? I uh, thought, oh yeah, differential equations, how do I do them? Anyway, took a long time, a lot of programming, and I had a perfect model that could calculate, yeah, Northern Line train runtimes. The only thing is that's not what my boss wanted. She just wanted a few quick figures, and I spent all this time developing something that wasn't needed. Uh, there was just a lack of communication, right? She just hadn't told me exactly what she wanted. I should have asked. But of course, you, you have a job, you want to do what your boss wants. And I don't know if you ever feel like that as a Christian. Okay, what does God want me to do here? You know, I'm in my workplace. What does God really want me to do? Uh, here in my family, uh, in my neighborhood. There's so much that I can do. The Bible is full of things that we should be doing. But, but what is the main thing? Uh, what is our priority that Jesus gives us? I think that is where today's passage will be helpful. That is where, yeah, I think we will go. Uh, it's a chapter on mission, why Jesus has sent us into the world. Because the past few weeks, if you've been here, uh, we've seen it's, it's been a very special time, right? Into this world, Jesus has come. Jesus has broken in. Uh, Jesus has exploded on the scene. He's been doing miracles. Uh, we see this summary here in 9 verse 35. What time is it? Well, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Uh, Jesus, he's, he's the king, he's come to bring the kingdom. And so all these people get healed, uh, people get cleansed, the dead are raised, and Jesus proclaims the kingdom. People are called, come to me. Uh, anyone, tax collectors, sinners, but also synagogue rulers, Gentiles, all kinds of people, they, they come to Jesus in faith because they see he's the king. Uh, they see it from his miracles. I mean, he said, I don't, didn't really come to heal, but those healings show he's the king. He will bring a kingdom without sickness, without death one day, and, and we can see that now. And so people come to him. Uh, a very special occasion, right? And yet it's, it's too, uh, you know, there, there's so much need. Jesus looks around, he sees the crowds, he has compassion on them, and he needs, well, he sends people out. At verse 36, he calls his disciples, uh, gives them a mission. As we heard last week, Jesus wants us to go with compassion. Although, what does he want us to do then? Where, what should we go? That is what this chapter is about. Matthew has a few blocks of big teaching, and today's chapter, okay, Jesus, he sends us to go. Uh, verse 1, it's really Jesus' mission, right? Uh, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him, gave them authority to drive out impure spirits, to heal every disease and sickness. That's exactly what he's been doing. They are to continue his mission. So what, what does he want us to do? Well, before we go there, we need to be a little bit careful, though, with this chapter. The thing is, it's spoken to these 12 apostles back then, right? These uh, 12 guys. 
Um, that's what it says. Yeah? Uh, he called these 12 to him. Uh, 12 names. Verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out. The problem is sometimes Jesus says things in the Gospels that aren't necessarily for us. Right? So he says to the leper that he's just cleansed, go show yourself to the priest. Now, when you read this, that, that, does that mean you should go to the priest now and show yourself? Well, no, right? That was spoken to him. How about this chapter? Um, some of the details here, I, I don't think they're directly for us. They were really for those guys back then. I mean, you can see that a little bit. Who should they go to? Right? Uh, who are they supposed to go to? Verse 5, well, do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Don't go to the Gentiles. But in chapter 28, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, i.e. all Gentiles. Is that a contradiction? No, it's not, because this was back then. At that specific time, yeah, just go to Israel, not yet the Gentiles. That will come later. And then chapter 28, okay, now go to the whole world. And so especially in verses 1 to 15, a lot of details we shouldn't really... Yeah, that was back then. <laughs> so maybe you were going to, a, you're going to a picnic in a moment, and you've brought a bag with an extra shirt and sandals. And then Jesus says, okay, don't bring a bag with an extra shirt and sandals. Oh dear. <laughs> no, that's, you know, I hope you understand the point. So there's a lot of things here that, okay, we're just going to skip over. That was for them. Other stuff, though... Whoever does this, anyone who does this, that's really for all of us. Okay? Does that make sense? So what does Jesus want us to do? What, especially in the light of the whole Bible, is our mission? And I think, well, proclaim the kingdom. That is what Jesus wants. As he gives these people the mission, he says, verse 7, As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. What people need to know is that, that Jesus is here. Uh, Jesus, he's come, he's brought the kingdom. People can come to him, they can be saved. They need to hear that message. And so, proclaim it. And as they go to these villages, what is the thing that matters? It's the message. Because when do they go? It's, well, when people reject the message. If they accept the message, stay. If they reject it, go. It's all about this message that they should proclaim. It makes sense. Jesus went proclaiming the message. And that's what they should do. Now you may wonder about those healings then. Because it doesn't he continue. Verse 8. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Isn't that part of Jesus' mission for us? Well, we saw with Jesus, the healings are not the point. He came to heal people, but those healings, they showed who he was. The point of the healings was that people would put their trust in Jesus and be saved. They're, not, they're just signs. And I think these healings, in a way, are also signs. Right? People do these healings and you want to pay attention. Right? If guys are here healing the sick and raising the dead, I want to listen to what they have to say. Now... Is that for us then as well? Should we do miracles? Well, you come to Matthew 28, and Jesus says, go make disciples of all nations. Um, doesn't mention anything about healings. You read the, uh, the letters, and uh, again, it's very little about healings. I think that was much more back then. 
For us, the sign is love. Jesus sends people to love, and that love is a sign. Jesus said, this is how people will know you're my disciples, if you love one another. In a way, love is a miracle. I'm so selfish. For me to love someone is a miracle. But yeah, Jesus wants us to love. And as people see that love that we have for the lost, love for each other, I hope people will sit up. And people want to pay attention. But pay attention to something. Love doesn't do anything if there isn't the message about Jesus. uh, Tim Chester, he says, our our love is like a, a sign pointing nowhere if it's not with the gospel. I mean, think about it. What if these guys went and healed the sick, but they never mentioned anything about Jesus? People would be healed, but they wouldn't have put their trust in Jesus, right? I mean, in a way, Jesus didn't need them. If it was just the healing, we've seen Jesus can heal at a distance. There was this centurion servant in another town. He just healed it from a distance. Jesus could have just snapped his finger, kind of reversed Thanos, and, you know, the whole, whole of Israel was healed. Great. Except no one would have put his faith in Jesus. No one would have been saved. No one would have really entered the kingdom. And so with us, we need to proclaim the gospel. We're in our workplaces, and God wants us to do a really good job and do it to the best of our ability. And that hopefully will point to him. He wants us to love people and you know, be sacrificial, and that should point to him. But unless we explain that it's about Jesus, that he's the one who's changed us, that he is the one that they need to respond to, it's not going to point to anyone. Yeah, so proclaim me the kingdom. That's what we need to do. I mean, if you think about it, um, in Kingswing Plaza, our workplace, um, often when I come home, when I go home, there's people handing out little taster cups of smoothies. They're really delicious. But they tell me, then, go to that shop over there. That's where they come from. They give me a business card. If they didn't do that, no one would come to the shop. I, I hope you see the principle. And Jesus wants us to proclaim the kingdom. And our, our love, our miraculous love, our good deeds, they, they, they point to Jesus. And we need to tell them. That's why we partner maybe with Compassion rather than Oxfam. Why? Because this is Christ-centered. This, you know, all the helping of poor children, it happens in a context of, of a church. Yeah, that's why we, we do this. Because ultimately it's about the gospel. The gospel is what matters. Here in Hong Kong, it's good to cha- try and change society. It's good to fight for justice. But ultimately, those things need to point to Jesus. We need to do things that, that, that point to the gospel, that honor the gospel. And, and, and that can be that kind of loving thing. could be something else. But ultimately, it's the gospel that matters. Right? Proclaiming the gospel. That's what we need to do. The only thing is, as Jesus says, that's going to be hard. I, I hope you believe this. You know, I'm in my workplace I'm going to do all kinds of good things, but I need to also talk about Jesus in my family, in my neighborhood. But it's a weakness for most of us. It's a struggle. And why? Because it's so hard. Jesus tells us, well, expect rejection. Expect rejection. Because as you've heard the reading, 
it sounded quite grim, right? He says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. You know, sheep among wolves. That, that's suicide, right? Uh, they're going to they're gonna drag you and flog you in the synagogues. You're going to be dragged before governors. Very encouraging. Uh, in your family, verse 21, a brother will betray brother to death, a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You'll be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. It's terrible, isn't it? You're going to face rejection. As you proclaim the kingdom, you're going to get rejected by the state, by the people around you, even in your families. Maybe some of you, you know, you just had mid-autumn, and mid-autumn is not a happy time because you come to your family and you're a Christian and they're not, and it brings tension. You're going to get rejected, Jesus says. And it's so weird, isn't it? Because this is such a wonderful message. You know, here is Jesus. Here is salvation. Here is healing and peace. Why would that get rejected? Well, Jesus was, though. Right? Here was Jesus. What did people do with him? They crucified him. That's what he says. That's the same with you. Verse 25. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household... Look, Jesus, the king of love, they call him the prince of demons. They call him Satan. Well, and we are his followers. Because the thing is, as you can see here, Jesus was crucified as king of the Jews. The problem is it's a message about a king, about a kingdom, a message that provokes a response. People need to come in faith. And if they don't, there's, there's judgment. Uh, and people find it a very hard message. You know, when, when, when I heard the gospel, it took me a long time to become a Christian because I wanted to be in charge of my life. I didn't want to stop drinking and stop lying and, and all those things. I, I wanted to do things my way. Having another king is hard. Families don't like that, that, you know, Jesus is now my king and my family is not the most important thing in my life. They don't like it. There's governments who don't like it, that they are not number one in your life, and they will persecute Christians. If it was just a nice message about peace, that would have been fine, but it's about a king, a kingdom, a political message, as he said last week. But you will get rejected, therefore, you know, expect it. In your family, at work, I guess you want to talk to your colleagues, but you think, what will they say? Uh, what will they do? Maybe better to keep quiet. But that doesn't mean you've done anything wrong. It's just normal. You should expect rejection. By the way, that is kind of helpful to know with the kind of protests. I think, you know, what's going on in Hong Kong, people are a bit afraid of the future, right? They're afraid of, uh, yeah, 2047 or whether that will come earlier, whether by force or slowly. And I can imagine, you know, it's, not, it's very hard to be a Christian in China. And, and none of us want, you know, facial recognition. None of us want our kids to be forced to learn Xi Jinping thought, right? But in a way, what they have is normal. The peace that we have here, the freedom, is not normal. Uh, Christians are always going to have it hard. And even if, you know, before 2047, 
you might still have a very big problem in your family or at your workplace. Christians will get rejected and persecuted. Maybe some of you think, oh, if I just go to the US or the UK or Australia, then I'll be fine. And I will live in a Christian paradise. No, you won't. You know, people, it was in the news, right? People from Cafe Pacific, they get sacked because they put on their Facebook page that uh, they support the protests. And that, that, that's wrong. But that is a reality for many Christians in the West. You know, you put on your Facebook page that you think marriage is between one man and one woman, and then someone sees it and reports it to your HR department, and you get fired because you, you, know, you don't represent the company's value of tolerance and diversity. That's a reality, even in countries that we think are free and democratic. You will face rejection, Jesus says. It is going to be hard. Uh, are, are we ready for that? Are we ready for when it gets harder here? And the problem is many of us are quiet now. <laughs> My guess is we'll be even quieter later. That's the, that, that's the problem, isn't it? There, there's this great book on evangelism, Honest Evangelism by Rico Tice. And he talks about the pain line. Uh, listen to what he says. If you're going to talk to people about Jesus, you are going to get hurt. It's going to sever some relationships. It is going to provoke people. I don't know about you, but I don't particularly like getting hurt. We're wired to assume that if we're getting hit, something's gone wrong. And so where whenever I tell someone the gospel message and get hit... There's a temptation either to stop saying anything or to change what I'm saying. I know there's a pain line that needs to be crossed if I tell someone the gospel. But I want to stay on the comfortable side of the pain line. I think that's the main reason why we don't do evangelism. We're just afraid of getting hurt. We're afraid of getting rejected. And in some way, yeah, we will. Well, so what do we do about that? Now for some of you, of course... You just don't feel equipped. You don't know the gospel well. You need training. Come in two weeks' time to the one-to-one -one training and stuff. But for most of us, we, we need to have a greater view of God because that's where Jesus goes. As Jesus says here, you're going to be afraid. Verse 26, do not be afraid of them. I'm sending you out. I'm sending you out to proclaim the gospel and you're going to get rejected. But don't be afraid. And then he just gives, we get this long list of sayings of him that just tell us why we shouldn't be afraid. And, and we need to hear that. As we, if we want to proclaim the gospel, what do we need to remember? Well, I'm just going to pick out a few. But uh, one thing, for example, your father's control. Verse 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. Jesus says, look, if you, if you, as you face rejection, look at those sparrows, look at those little birds. None of them ever dies without it being part of God's plan. God is in control over all these little birds, and you know they will fly as long as he wants to, and they won't die unless it's his plan. Well, it's the same for you, <laughs> even more, you know? Uh, every, what does he say? Even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. I guess you have about 100,000 hairs on your head. In my case, it's getting a bit less. But uh, each of those 100,000 hairs, God has a plan for that. 
God knows exactly when that hair is going to fall down. Not one of them is going to fall from your head. Not one of them is going to get hurt. Unless God wants it to. And, and so why are you so afraid of uncertainty? You think, I don't want to tell my colleague because, you know, what might happen to my job? What might happen to my family? And Jesus says, look, God has that under control. He has a plan for every hair on your head. Surely he has a plan for your job. Surely he has a plan for your family. He hasn't, oh, whoops, I didn't think of that. Right? If God thinks of every hair on your head, he will think of your life and what you need. And so Jesus says, don't be afraid of them. God is in control. Uh, other sayings, slightly more threatening, you know, uh, the lordship of Jesus. Uh, Jesus also says, look, remember who I am. Because he's got quite a view of himself. Verse 32. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. I mean, Jesus is talking about Judgment Day. Jesus says, on Judgment Day, I'm the king, and I am the one who's going to let people into my kingdom. So if you speak for me, I will speak for you. And if you keep quiet, I will keep quiet. Who does he think he is, right? To say such things, but he's the king. And so as you think, yeah, I I don't like to get hurt. Uh, I prefer to keep quiet. Well, think of the bigger picture. Think of the kingdom. Think of who Jesus is. Are you going to be on his side? Again, that's not always easy. I think verse 37 is hard in an Asian culture, right? Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And in Asia, people, they value their families. Actually, Jesus came from Asia. In his culture, families were really valued. He wasn't speaking to Western individualists, but he thinks values, families are really important. He wants you, you know, honor your father and mother. He wants you to be the best son or daughter there is. And he will help you do that. But ultimately, he does say he comes first. And if you have to choose between your parents and Jesus, ultimately, Jesus says, well, you need to choose me. Because I'm the king. If you, the, the, the shame of disobeying your parents. And it, it is, that is hard. I mean, my parents didn't like me becoming a Christian, and that, that, felt, that felt painful. But then again, being rejected by Jesus, that's, that's worse. Uh, so, yeah, that's what we, Jesus wants us to choose. Now, it, it is going to be hard. And we need to take this chapter in. But ultimately, I hope you think it's worth it. Because Jesus, yeah, he can has forceful language, but he, he finishes positively. Remember what you're doing. Verse 40. Anyone who welcomes you, welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me, welcomes the one who sends me. You know, as you go to people, if they accept your message, they will be saved. You know, they will have a relationship with me and through me with the living God. They will enter the kingdom. Isn't that worth it? Yes, some people will reject you, but others will welcome your message 
I mean, look at the past two chapters. Look at all those people who came to Jesus and were healed and were saved. They were so happy that they met Jesus. And that is what you're making possible, right? Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. There's people out there who are longing for Jesus, who are looking for hope. And we have it. And yes, some people don't want it, but others... They, they long for it and, and we have it. Surely we want to proclaim it to them. Uh, we draw attention through our love and good deeds, through the good we do, but, but we want to point people to Jesus. Uh, not just saying the kingdom of heaven is near. They understood that, we don't. Um, but proclaim the message, proclaim the kingdom. And that is when people yeah, can be saved. So I hope, I hope we understand that. And it's, it's worth thinking about. There's more in this chapter. Uh, is this how we see ourselves? Are we ready for the rejection? But do we see the big task we're doing? We're sharing in Jesus' mission. You know, we have experienced his love and grace. We know what it's like to be saved. If you're not a Christian and you think, okay, um, I want Jesus. I, I hope you've, the past few weeks you've seen that. You've seen how great Jesus is. But you need to come to him. But if you do that, well, ask any one of us. It's the most wonderful thing. And it will be even more wonderful when he comes back. So yeah, let's, uh, let's pray. And let's, uh, and let's sing. Let's just pray. Our Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what he did. Uh, thank you for the kingdom he brought, ultimately through his death and resurrection where he paid for our sins. Father, thank you for this great news that's come to us. And we pray we would bring that to others. Pray that we would be ready, uh, ready to face those who maybe don't want to hear it. And yet we know there are many people looking for hope, longing for the kingdom, longing for Jesus. Would we proclaim him? Would we be winsome? Uh, Would we be loving? Would we do good? Would we point to Jesus and would you use us? Would we see the kingdom grow as it did in these chapters? In Jesus' name, amen.